0: jcastnetwork.org Today's daf is being taught by Justin David, the rabbi of Congregation B'nai Israel in Northampton, Mass. For those of us who have
1: been closely following the discussion about rescuing holy writings from a fire on Shabbat, the question of how much is too much might come up. On the one hand, the idea of rescuing such scrolls evokes a sense of the sanctity the rabbis had for sacred text, something we have preserved in all of our rituals around how we treat a Sefer Torah. It's not too much of a stretch to say that in this discussion there is an implication that saving a scroll of sacred text is akin to saving a human life. In this analogy, or maybe not even an analogy, the ability to potentially override the restrictions of Shabbat by carrying a safer Torah or other holy scroll from a private domain to a public one is similar to how we are commanded to transgress the laws of Shabbat if a person's life is at stake. As the discussion develops, we see how the rabbi's spiritual connection to sacred scrolls is reflected in the extent to which they enjoin us to rescue smaller and smaller remnants of these scrolls, texts of idi letters, holy names, even blank pieces of parchment. We see here a halakha driven by spiritual passion and love, and it's quite powerful. But in the presence of this discussion, perhaps we can also harbor some reservations. We know that religious passion can easily spill over into zealotry, and there are aspects of the rabbis' efforts to save scrolls that at least give me pause. Most glaring, most glaringly, why would the rabbis of the Mishnah and Talmud give license to people to risk life and limb by lingering in a burning dwelling in order to save a book? If the rabbis famously proclaim risk to life pushes aside everything on Shabbat, uh, and they similarly advise us to, quote, transgress one Shabbat so that we may observe many, why don't they say here, let the scrolls burn, we'll write more. While I'm drawn to spiritual passion, it animates texts, discussions, and the real lives of religious communities and, of course, individuals. I'm looking here for a bit of the pragmatic spirituality and decision-making that characterizes the best of Talmudic thinking. I'm looking here for a voice of realism to say, texts are holy, but come on, save your own life first. On this stuff, we see the return of the pragmatic voice after a few pages, of the not-so-pragmatic voice. admittedly, it's not necessarily the pragmatic voice I would want or expect to say, leave the scrolls, save your life, but it is a pragmatic voice nonetheless, and its presence is refreshing and important to the discussion that follows. Specifically, the issue that arises is how one assesses an alleyway in order to carry within it a sheaf of a Torah scroll that has been rescued from a fire on Shabbat, meaning a, a a Torah cover. Technically, an alleyway is not public space, but really a kind of shared private space, like a courtyard, and therefore permitted space in which to carry and bring things out of one's home. Having an alleyway outside one's home would facilitate extracting the sheaf of a straight safer Torah from a burning home on Shabbat, as there wouldn't be any prohibition against it. The issue is whether the alleyway has a gateway or not. Okay, we're going to get a little bit technical. The opinion of the Mishnah is that the scroll can be carried into the alleyway if it is a closed alley, but there is one opinion, that of Yehuda ben Batera that says even if it is an open alley, one may carry there. This case lies on the border between the fanatical and the pragmatic. On the one hand, is the cover of a scroll really all that important to extract in case of a fire? On the other hand, the rabbis are seeking an easy solution to the problem of how to preserve items which they deem holy. Where the pragmatism comes in is in the the definition of a closed alley, which would be permissible to carry into from a private home on Shabbat. Now technically, a closed alley is one that has a gateway, but what constitutes a gateway? We see various opinions offered. Maximally, in Aragamara, it's three walls and two stakes driven into into the ground. It would be something as simple as, As two stakes driven into the ground with a beam across like a makeshift soccer goal. But what we see throughout this discussion is a continual easing of the standard. Instead of three walls, two walls. Instead of two stakes, one. In the end, the push to be lenient for the sake of rescuing holy objects becomes clear. Ravashi says, three walls and one stake. That is a closed alley. And even according to Rabbi Eliezer, who maintains that we require two stakes in order for it to be a closed alley, that is only when we are carrying food and liquids, but for, a, but for a Torah scroll, or for the sheaf of a Torah scroll, one stake is sufficient. Personally, I rather would have seen Rabbi Eliezer say that for things on which our life depends, like food and drink, one stake is sufficient, but I'll take this practicality and leniency in making it possible to more easily rescue a Torah scroll on Shabbat. Having now opened the door with this pragmatic sensibility, the Mishnah and Gemara now turn to what is arguably much more important to rescue on Shabbat, one's food. Here the concern is completely pragmatic, and in that sense, perhaps completely holy. Here is is what the new Mishnah teaches. We save the food for the three meals on Shabbat, that which is fit for a human being for a human being, and that which is fit for an animal an animal. How so? If a fire breaks out on Shabbat evening, we save the food for three meals in the morning for two meals, at Mincha for one meal. Rabbi Yossi says, actually, we save the food for all three meals. We run into an intersection here between the holiness imposed on us by Halacha and the inherent holiness of satisfying human needs and thereby sustaining human life. The same concerns about caring from private to public on Shabbat remain as does the larger concern about maintaining the sanctity of Shabbat through maintaining these boundaries around caring. But central to the holiness of Shabbat is the celebration through eating. It is the saying at the bottom of the page goes, a person is obligated to eat three meals on Shabbat, or according to Rabbi Chitka, four. So we have the holiness generated from above, and the holiness generated from satisfying our needs from below. But just as we have the concern of fanaticism or zealotry when we embrace a holiness that ignores the needs of this world, so we may be wary of a narcissistic holiness that regards our lives at all as all there is. We're not there yet, but we can see a shade of this hesitancy in the Gemara as it asks its opening question after the Mishnah. Is there permission for people to take more? By giving people permission to save their food on Shabbat, are we opening the door too much to indulging human desires at the expense of Halacha? As Rava explains, Since a person is careful about one's property, we do not permit him to take more than the Mishnah prescribes, lest he come and extinguish the fire. Which raises the question, if extinguishing the fire would save lives, aren't we commanded to put out the fire? But for reasons I can't explain, that's not where the Gemara is going. Is choosing to take up here. Instead, it focuses on this narrow question. A kind of mini-triumph of pragmatic everyday holiness, Rava's objection is set aside. And once that's done, the Gemara can go on to focus on not only the fact that we can say food, but how we say food and why. Finally, toward the end of this discussion on this page, we're introduced to the practice, expressed here as an obligation, that we make a blessing over two loaves of bread on Shabbat, hearkening back to the gathering of man and the double portion that was given on Shabbat. And so by the end of this short discussion, we have come full circle. At the beginning of the DAF, we are concerned with the holiness of heaven whether and how we save a Torah scroll or the sheaf of a Torah scroll from a fire on Shabbat. The Gemara shows us that the holiness of heaven can be uh, accomplished or encountered by an embrace of the ingenuity and pragmatism of earthly beings. But by the end of this daf, we see that earthiness itself is a source of holiness. It is the human need for food that drives the celebration of Shabbat. And so, the necess- and so the necessity of saving food on Shabbat itself becomes a holy consideration, no less important than a scroll containing sacred text.
0: I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.